Hello, Dino. How you doing? This is Renee. Renee, how you doing? Where are you calling me from? Uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh, nice. Yeah. Been there a few times. Yeah, it's been there quite a few times. Yep, it's been a bit. I think I think the last time that I saw y'all play was with uh, Soil Work. Yes, uh, that was a great show, great tour. Uh, that was the team manufacturing tour, and that was sold out everywhere. Yeah, that that was an awesome show. It was pretty great to see y'all live back then. Uh, but I mean, you got exciting new stuff coming out. I mean, especially on the 18th, you got your new album, Aggression Continuum. Finally, after six years, fans get to get some new music. That is that is correct, and it's very liberating to finally get it out. I bet. Um, as as you know, you've probably heard the stories all through the media of what's uh, what transpired and how we got to this point. Yeah. Now, were, were these songs? Ready, could have been ready maybe you know like in 1819 what do you mean well i mean now you're fine the album's completely final now i were you know coming out in a couple of weeks here but the the yeah. writing process for these songs were were they completed quite a few years ago and then now you know bec- you know this past year you were able to finally get it all together Yes and no. Uh, the the songs were the, a, a version of the album was completed in 2017. Now that version in 2017 had programmed drums, and it didn't feature other artists that I was able to collab with. Yeah. In in 2020, so from 2017 to 2020. In between that time, we couldn't not touch the record. That was it was already done. It was already finished. The record company had it, um, and because of legalities and the legal issues that we were going through, we could not call the record Fear Factory, and we could not put the record out. Yeah. So now, in 2020, that I was able to regain the trademark Fear Factory to move forward with the band, I decided. You know that the 20, 2017 version exactly wasn't to me up to par or up to standard to a classic Fear Factory record. Yeah. So I went in the studio and redid uh, the drums. We added live drums with our drummer Mike Heller, put him in the studio to record drums, and it was great. Came out really fucking good. You know, we so we took out, we removed the program drums and we put the live drums in there, which definitely added a whole new vibe to that. Um, we changed the guitar tone. We um, collaborated with a couple of other keyboardists that weren't on this record. And, uh, you know, we got Annie Sneed to mix the album, and we got Damon Raynaud. Uh The keyboard players that we've had were Reese Fulber, Igor Kreshkov, Kreshkov um, Damon, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Max Karen and Giuseppe Bassi for dualized dysfunction. So we had all these different keyboard players that really helped out a lot bring this record to life. Um, also, I did a GoFundMe campaign to help me pay for the cost of the record. Uh, and thank God that um, the fans came through and they really contributed and, and, and we reached our goals of the GoFundMe campaign. To, and uh, boom, here it is. Oh, this yeah. is the record. Yeah, thankfully so. And, and I've listened to the the promo of it, and I mean, it's it's a uh, you know the of course the the fear factor that we all love that you know fans love, and I mean, there 
once everybody else gets their hands on it, they're going to be completely blown away by it. I mean, I think because, I mean, as I'm listening to it, I can hear, you know, some of the the old elements, but also, you know, pushing, pushing a little bit more with the keys, but it's still classic Fear Factory, like you're saying. It's like, you know, the Fear Factory that, that everybody is it loves with. Correct. Um, you know, we have a certain formula that we like to use. We have we, There are things that make Fear Factory a band of what it is. You know what I mean? We have the syncopated guitars with the kick drums, yeah. you know, to emulate them emulate a machine sound we have the harsh and the clean vocals you know the contrast between the two we have all the killer keyboard elements that we've uh incorporated from with other guys helping us out and that's and that and that section especially you hear uh songs like recode where the keyboards really heighten that song you know it takes it to to a whole new place um all those you know, those nuances and those dynamics really add to a classic Fear Factory record. And that's exactly what I think I was able to nail. And boom, oh, yeah. you're going to hear it soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, you currently have the Fuel Injected Suicide Machine and Disruptor as singles. Uh, is Are you blown away kind of by like all the positive responses that you've been getting from these singles right now? Um, um, uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm totally, you know, uh, very, very appreciative that, you know, people really appreciate uh, the music. And, you know, whenever you release music, it's always like, you know, it, you're taking a gamble, right. right? Because you don't know how people are going to react to it. Yeah. But I knew in my heart that we had a fucking killer record. And we have some fucking amazing songs. And I knew that people were going to like, because it has all the classic elements for it to, to for it to become you know, a, a, a definitely a standout record in our catalog. Yeah. Now, it, by chance, are you going to be releasing another single before the album drops or along with the album drop? Mm, along with the album drop, yes. So it's going to be an, an emphasis track yeah. that is going to have a video with it too. And it's going to be, the video is going to be part two to, di to the Disruptor video. I don't know if you got to see that. Yes, yeah. Now, yeah, so it's going to be the, the continuation story. Hold on, so it could be the continuation story to Disruptor, and the song, the emphasis track, is going to be um, Recode. Okay, very cool. Now, uh, as would you suggest, you know, for fans to, you know, kind of like this is a concept album to where it's best to kind of consume from like start to end, or do you feel like each song has its own story and and can just you can push push shuffle and everything. You, it, you, the impact is still going to be the same. Both, I, I I would say both. I mean, sure. Ultimately, I would like some for people to hear the whole record, and I think that for the most part, when fear when people get into Fear Factory records, they know that they have to listen to the whole record to get the whole thing, yeah. and they want to follow the concept. They want to follow the story. They want to know what it all means, and that's great. But if there are those people who just want to hear singles and, um, you know, great. And they're all there for you to listen to. <laughs> yeah. And what I've, I mean, I always enjoyed about Fear Factory. I mean, I can just pick pretty much any song and, and they're all going to be good songs. It's not like I have to skip a song or it's like, well, I, this is not my favorite. I mean, I mean, if whether you know it or not, I mean, you do have... A gift and the band has a gift to be able to write these memorable myths riffs that i mean 
you can still be humming after the song is over, or you just go ahead and just push repeat. Well, that's that. That's the beauty of Fear Factory is that I've always liked hooks. I've always liked things that are going to get people into the music, whether it's a riff, whether it's a whether it's one vocal line, or whether it's a chorus, you know, or whether it's a keyboard line. You know what I mean? I always yeah. like there to be elements of that would be considered a hook. That would be, you know, hook the person into liking it, into listening to it, and being able to hum it later on, like you said. Yeah. You know, some people have asked me, hey. You know, uh, a lot of your records have hits. You know, they have certain songs that make it a hit. Mm -hmm. Like Lynchpin would be a hit for for DJ Mortal, or Replica would be for for D Manufacturer stuff like that, right? And I look at this. I look at it this way: the whole record is a hit. I told them, <laughs> the whole record. I look at it as a hit because the whole vibe of the record is just there, and I think that people. When they hear the whole record, they're going to be like, holy fuck, you know, right. this record's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, and you're right, because otherwise, why would you put it on the album? Correct, and that was the one thing is that we focused on the 10 best songs, and yeah. boom. There was actually no extra songs written for this album. Well, I take it back. I had music, extra music written. That was not used that Bert did not sing on because at that point he pretty much already quit the band. Yeah. Right. So there's all this, there's a, a extra music, but that's fine because I can use it for the next record Yeah. with the next singer, with the next singer who's coming up. Yeah. Um, but on this record, we put, you know, we focused on the 10 best songs. I had plenty of time to work on them. I had fucking four and a half, five years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to really, you know, think about this music and think of how I would change it and what I would do, and you know, other hooks, other hook elements that I could add, yeah, to it, and um, so boom, I think that's one of the reasons what makes it great. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, talk talking back or going back a little bit in your career because the, the band's been around for you know going on thirty two years. <laughs> And actually, actually, it's 30 years right now. October 31st will be 31 years. You're probably you're probably reading the Wikipedia part where it said we started in 1989. And that's yeah. completely wrong. Yeah, it's actually yeah. it's actually 1990. And I don't know where Wikipedia keeps getting that. But every time I change it on Wikipedia, somebody, somebody changes the facts <laughs> in 1989. Maybe they just wish it was in. <laughs> but, you know, uh. I started with D Manufacturer, and, and then of course I, I worked back to Soul and New Machine. Uh, those were, even though they're a little bit similar, there there's a big difference to where I think D Manufacturer. I mean, I don't know whether if you agree with me or not. That really established the sound of what I I don't know. Maybe you envisioned what Fear Factory was going to be. Is that correct? <coughs> that is one hundred percent correct. <coughs> um. You know, we when we did Soul of a Machine, we put every song that we had. We had seven. We had seventeen songs on the record. That's yeah. a lot of fucking songs. Yeah, too many songs, if you ask me. But obviously, fans liked it because you know they have a lot of songs to listen to. But right. um, you know, it would have been better if we would have just focused on the ten or eleven best songs on the album. But um, because you know, you have we definitely do have standout tracks on that record: Scapegoat, Martyr. You know, uh, Big God, Scum Grief. There's a lot of standout tracks on the album, right? Yes. Um, but we didn't really exactly have uh, the technology to get to where we wanted to get 
till demanufacture. Now you can't talk about demanufacture unless you talk about Fear is the Mind Killer, which is the EP that was in between two albums. Yeah. It was a remix EP. Now I met Reese Fulber, talked to Reese Fulber and Bill Lieb. Um, they were doing a remix on the album. Um, and just having communications with them and how exactly how I wanted it, it to be. Um, one song in particular that stood out, and that was a song called Scapegoat. And it said, and it was called the Pig Fuck Remix, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and that song, I told Reese, keep the song in its original form. In other words, the original structure, mm-hmm. right? But add the electronic elements on top of that. And that's what he did. And from there, I was like, okay. He nailed exactly what I envisioned, and he nailed it. And I go, that's got to be the archetype to scapegoat. I'm sorry, to uh, demanufacture. It's got to be the blueprint of going into demanufacture. And that's exactly what it was. I had that vision when I was writing demanufacture that this is what it's got to be, and boom. I, even though it was a struggle to get there, but we finally got there, and it fucking sounds amazing. And it stood the test of time. It became a classic record that people still to this day can be influenced by if they, you know, if, you know, um, you know, a lot of people have, you know, always, um, you know, talked about the, 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 the syncopated guitars and the kick drums together. We were doing that to try to make it sound like a machine. Um, and, you know, the, obviously the classic uh, vocal style between heavy and the clean vocals, all that stuff. And and the reason why Fear Factory is still relevant today is because bands are still doing it today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, and that, that was, formula. Yeah. And that was the other thing that I was going to, you know, kind of mention it and, and talk about. It's like that album, I mean you're right it has influenced generations that try to whether if they you know kind of copy it unintentionally but they're definitely you can hear that definite influence uh uh with the guitars and the drums and and you're you're right with the with the vocals with the harsh and the clean i mean there's countless of bands that do it now which is it's got to be kind of mind-boggling to where i mean y'all kind of started this in a sense to where i mean it just blew the doors to where now everybody <laughs> has kept doing it yeah um you know, we, you know we wear our influences on our sleeve on the first record and just you know we took a lot of different elements of different genres of music to influence us like the song martyr which is the first song on our first record um, that riff is an actually synth riff in a techno song. Oh, yeah. Not saying that it came from a techno song, but it was inspired from a techno song. Mm-hmm. So it's... Yeah. So we were taking... I was already taking influences that I had from techno music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not the typical, you know, influence that maybe some band was influenced by you know, some classical music or maybe other metal bands, yeah. right? I was taking my influences from other places because I wanted I wanted to create something different. And that transcends to, to today. Yeah. Um, 
and, there, and some bands, even newer bands, may not know where it even came from. Yeah. Because they might have been influenced from a band who was influenced from a band who was influenced from another band who was influenced by Fear Factor. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing to think that, and you're right, just you can still put on those, you know, older albums and they still kick ass compared to what some bands are putting out right now. I mean, I mean. Now, yeah. Now, I used to work at a record store and I listened to everything. We're talking about from 1986 to 1992, right? So my first record came out. I was working in this record store and I heard every metal record, every different record company releasing these records. I listened to them all. And I never heard anything like we've done. Now, I might have heard a metal band sing clean all the way through. Yeah. I've heard metal bands that 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 um, sing heavy all the way through. I've seen bands uh, like even Pantera, who are doing kind of on their record Cowboys from Hell. Even Phil Anselmo still had some of those glam rock, those glam hair metal yeah. screams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, Rob Halford, but more of a glam style. Yeah. So there were there were still elements of melodicism in some of those heavy tones and heavy screams that Phil Anselmo was doing back then, but there was never really anybody who had done the contrast as extreme as us. Yeah. Right, and we were putting that into music back then. Um, even when Monty Connor, who was a legendary. A and R guy who worked at Roadrunner, who signed a million bands and who's had a million bands demos come across his desk. Even when he signed us, he could not say that there was another band that done what we've done. You know what I mean? Because we don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've heard, I've seen documentaries of people trying to find out where this came from. Yeah. Right. And. They were listening to these other bands, but there were bands who were after us. Yeah. You know, Kill Switch Engage, um, uh, Otep, uh, not Otep, um, Opeth. Uh-huh. You know, there was bands that, that came after us that were doing it, and they didn't even mention us, which was so weird. Yeah. That's why I say we kind of get looked over sometimes. Like, people don't even remember or don't even know where it came from, like the new genre of, of music and new genre of kids. Right. Don't even know where that came from. Yeah. You know, I've even, I've even heard thrash bands, maybe, you know, for instance, Testament, you know, they did like more of a commercial song where they added clean vocals and stuff like that. But again, like I said, there was nobody doing the contrast like we did. And I could say that we were the forefathers of that. Yeah. And I say that, and I say that very confidently as well. Um, I would like for people to challenge me on that. People have, and they still have not won that challenge. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, but, you know, the good thing, I mean, the, the great thing is for, even though uh, new fans, or you may get new fans off this album, they can at least backtrack to your all your the rest of the catalog and, and figure out, okay, this is where all this started from, you know, a few decades ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that's what happens. I mean, I think learning the history sometimes is very, very important. You know, I was lucky that I was born 
in the 60s, late 60s, and I was able to discover music all through the 70s and 80s and 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just even when I was a baby, you know, being a kid from my mother, my father, my older siblings who, who listened to all different types of, of, of music. You know, my father being mariachi music, my mother being old school rock and roll, you know, oldies, as you would say. Yeah. Um, you know, to my older family members who were brothers and sisters who were listening to whatever was popular in rock music, you know, so I, I got a whole spectrum of music and I loved it all in one way or another. You know, I even had a brother who was into country music and I was listening to old school country music, you know, um, other brother who was born to metal, Black Sabbath, Scorpions, you know, early, early stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so I was able to, you know, discover music and then boom working at a record store in the mid 80s and i got to i got to hear and see all that music and it was just a big soup in my head you know it was like a big mixture of all this stuff that became fucking caldo like soup right. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah um for me to to draw different influences from and yeah. it was it was i think it created uh, something new because it wasn't sure it was metal in tone yeah but maybe not always metal in idea yeah and it's funny that you're talking about the record store because I miss that I, I I miss you know the 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 process or what ha used to be back in the day to where you would either you, a group of fans would get on the bus go to the record store and spend like a couple hours there looking through the different albums and you know and sometimes you just pick something based on a cover and then you're on the way back home you're like looking at it looking at the lyrics looking at the whole artwork and it's just it was it like an all-consuming experience back then and and i mean digital is great but i i miss that type of consumption well, I think that's why, you know, vinyl made a comeback yeah. because people were saying people, older people were saying how great it was back then. I think a lot of the new generations wanted to get into that. And now that, you know, people have vinyl collections again, yeah. which is which is amazing. Um, one of the beauties of working at the record store, because I got to order music, you know, people sent us catalogs for us to order, you know, from the record companies yeah. and the distribution companies. So I was able to, anything that looked metal, sounded metal, I'd pick it, right? <laughs> um, and it was cool because stuff would come in and it, we would always have one extra one. We we play it, we listen to it while we're in the store. I'm like, oh, this is badass, you know? So I was able, I was one of those guys that when somebody walked in and they wanted to talk about music and what, might be new yeah. I, that I can recommend. Yeah. So people started coming into me like, "Hey man, I you know I came in from and and, and it, it was right in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard, right in the heart of Hollywood. I don't know if you ever been to Hollywood, California. Not yet. Not yet. There is a section. There is an area on on Hollywood Boulevard. There's a part where it's just all, you know, bars and record stores and, you know, touristy stuff and things like that. So we were right in the heart of all that. So we had people from all over the world walk into that stores that are actually that I've met and are still friends of mine today. Yeah. Crazy. People would be on vacation. Some metalhead, a metalhead kid on vacation with his family 
and he begs his mom or his dad to take him into the store because he wants to go pick out a record. Right. Right. And I fucking talk to this guy and we, you know, obviously, or, or this girl and we make a connection, uh, based off fucking metal music. And it was great. And then we became pen pals back then. And then, you know, when fear factory got signed and we started touring in 1992, those people, I invited them out to the shows and I, I'm still friends with a lot of them today. And it's crazy. Yeah. And we're talking like, you know, uh, 87, 88, you know, back then, 1987. Yeah. It's amazing what music has been able to do and, and bridge the gap like all over the world. Yeah. And it was really cool because, like I said, I was that guy that people came in to ask for recommendations of what was good. And I would be turned, I would turn people on to music all the time and not just metal, you know, rock, glam rock, you know. Um, whether it's uh, even in, even early industrial music to, to, to dance music, to techno music, all that stuff, you know, we would listen to at the store just so we can get familiar with it, you know, if it's good or not, you know right. what I mean? And so when it was, we were able to recommend it. And there was times where I'll be playing something fucking, cranking some fucking metal, and, you know, a kid walks in and they're like, wow, what's this? I'm like, here it is. Here's the fucking cassette. Here's the vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, luckily, you know, hopefully, uh, I don't think anything's been announced, but is there possibly any plans for touring to support this album, like in summer or fall? Not this summer no. or fall. Oh, Not yeah. till next year. All right. Next year for sure. Yeah. Next year, 100% for sure. Um, that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're, we're saving it for. Um, you know, because we don't just don't know exactly where this this uh you know these travel restrictions are going to be right. i know that most of the states are going to be opening up within the next month or two um and that's great other parts of the other parts of the world are not everybody's right. going through their own restrictions you know yeah some countries have travel restrictions you know so it's like you know some countries you gotta you go there and you gotta have two weeks of quarantine fuck that yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We want to, we're going to wait till hopefully next year, starting March, that everything will be great. Yeah. And open and, it, and we're able to tr travel everywhere. Yeah. Well, that'll just give fans plenty of time to memorize all the lyrics and they can just sing along to all the songs. Correct. Also, you know, e even the singer that I choose, they're going to have to get a vac, they're going to have to get vaccinated. Yeah. Because. We're not going to be able to travel all these countries without any kind of form of identification that we've been vaccinated. Right. You know, I, and I know there, there's some people that are like, what the hell? Why are we doing this? But it's like, you know, if, if this is the, the, the easiest thing that we can do, just get it done and over with. And then we can go about our, our normal business. Uh, you know, and that, that's the beauty of uh, that's the, the beauty and the downfall of the Internet. Yes. The beauty is that we can communicate all over the world and the world has become smaller and it's become great, right, in that aspect. But it also, at the same time, it's also ruined a lot of things because there's a lot of misinformation out there that gullible people are just easily influenced by. Um, and, it, and it consumes them and it takes over their lives. You know what yeah. I mean? These anti-vaxxers and other types of, you know, conspiracy theories that are out there. Yeah. And it's great. Conspiracy theories are cool, yeah. but you don't let it consume your life. You don't let it ruin relationships, and that's that's what it has happened. You know, yeah, I have I have a particular friend 
uh, actually a couple of people I know that's gotten kicked out of bands because their conspiracy theory has taken over their lives. Yeah. And they can't even have normal conversations about talking about flat earth or something like that. Right. Well, that's too bad. Well, I mean, we're almost to the conclusion of our, you know, our chat here. Other than, of course, picking up, if they haven't already, for some strange reason, and I don't know why they haven't already, pre-ordering the album, what else could fans kind of help support Fear Factory? Um, you know, definitely just, you know, go to Spotify, you know, stream our music. We have a vast catalog yes. uh, of music. Um you know, go to fearfactory.com. You can pre-order the vinyl, the cassette, the CD, uh, merchandise, and we're going to be announcing and we're going to be putting up on our website, you know, new up and coming tour dates for next year. Um, yeah. So, you know, they can support in that way. And, uh, the number one thing is merchandise and CDs. That's pretty much where we, you know, survive. Right. Yeah. I always try to, you know, if, 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 if the fan can do it, try to get something directly from the band because that's, I mean, that's where you get your money from. So Correct. Yeah. So as we're finishing up here, Dino, I, I want to thank you for all the information that you gave me, you know, kind of a little bit of, you know, uh, insight of, you know, some of your long, you know, f amazing career that you've influenced so many bands. Uh, any other parting words before we finish up today? I just want to say thank you to everybody who um, helped support the band for 30 plus years um and i can't wait to continue uh with the classic formula of fear factory and move forward and create a new chapter for the band and uh can't wait to see you out on the road awesome well i look forward to it and uh at least in uh you know 22 i'll i'll try to make if you come in texas i'll i'll, I'll make sure i'll make it out well, you know we're coming to Texas. Come on. You can't <laughs> ignore Texas. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, Dino. Thank you again. appreciate your time. You have a wonderful weekend. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks. Bye.